Welcome into another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. It is a Froggy Wednesdays, and today we are joined by, okay, usually I go over the accomplishments of our players. Today, if I went over every accomplishment that this man has had on the PGA Tour, that'll be the entire podcast. So we'll start out with Mr. 58, 17-time PGA Tour winner, 2010 FedEx Cup champ, 2003 U.S. Open champion and 2021 U.S. Senior Open champion, Jim Furyk. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Nice to be here. Thanks. You know, we've all seen that video of where they're, uh, I think they were introducing Tiger at the Tour Championship one year. And uh, Phil, they were reading off all his wins and Phil goes, okay, 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 enough's enough. That's exactly what it would be like if I went over all your accomplishments. Uh, I don't know about that. I did have a round. My rookie year, I got paired with Tom Watson on Sunday in Milwaukee. And in the old days, they went through your accomplishments on the first tee every day. We don't, we don't do that anymore on the PJ tour. They, they might give you like FedEx cup champion and that's it. You know, they give, right. they give one, one thing. And, and they went through Tom Watson. He was up first. Uh, we were playing in a twosome. He was up first and they went through every accomplishment. I mean, every major championship, every win on tour. It was amazing. It went on for like 60 seconds. And then <laughs> here, you know, it was this 23 year old rookie and, for a man, Pennsylvania, Jim Furyk. And I just started laughing. Like, you know, mine, mine was about two seconds long. And, and I was like, well, that's, that's the funniest thing I ever heard. But you know what? You added to that nicely. I mean, you really did have an unbelievable and still having an unbelievable career. This lasted a long, long time. Uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. I've been blessed and uh, have stayed relatively healthy throughout my career. Uh, a couple surgeries, but uh, for the most part, really haven't missed a lot of golf, been able to stay pretty healthy and, and I still enjoy practicing. I'm still working hard and and uh, trying to get better. Yeah, I definitely want to get into your longevity on tour because that's something that we don't see a lot of. And you, we see guys that like kind of get hot and then kind of fizzle off. And a lot of people don't know, and I'll give this stat again later on, the fourth all-time on the money list is Jim Furyk. Obviously, Tiger Woods, number one. Uh, Phil Mickelson, number two. You were at number three for a long, long time. And Dustin Johnson just passed. Uh, to move into the third spot. And I think fifth is uh, VJ Singh, which you'll obviously stay ahead of him because you're still playing some tour events, as is he. But um, six places a long way down. And it, it's unbelievable what you've accomplished in a long period of time. Being lo- Longevity really is something we don't see a lot of on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think that was kind of early in my career when I when I joined the tour. I, my, my first couple of years, I, I had some great events. You know, I had knocked on the door trying to win uh in my rookie year a couple times uh, i really felt like my game was good enough to hold up on the tour it was good enough to win on the pj tour but what i noticed was the great players you know they knocked on the door a lot more often they were a lot more consistent they did a lot more often and so one of my goals early in my career was to become a more consistent player to give myself more chances to win and uh and to kind of you know I, I think the first year i went out there i played 31 events i made 17 cuts but i missed 14 so the goal was to to make not only make more cuts but to get myself in the top 10 more to knock on the door to give myself a lot more chances on sundays and uh, i went to work real hard with my dad as my teacher is you know how can i become a a more consistent ball striker a consistent player and so that was that was one of my goals from the get-go and and uh you know as far as the longevity i think you know a little bit of that is being able to stay healthy Uh, i've been very fortunate there i'm not sure exactly why I've stayed healthier than others, although I've paid a lot of attention to uh, trying to keep, uh, you know, my body in at least some sort of decent shape and worked a lot with a physical therapist here in town in Jacksonville and, and, and trying to stay uh, as healthy as possible. And, and then, uh, you know, 
I guess a lot of it, you know, I feel blessed that I've been able to, a lot of it's hunger too, you know, really, uh, you know, still having that drive, still having that, that want to go to the range to work on my game when, you know, and no one's, no one forces us to practice. So, you know, being out right. there working hard when, when no one's looking. So did you watch any of the Olympics as we have, we have a gold medal winner here in the United States uh, for the first time we have a gold medal winner. So did you, did you get a chance to watch much of the Olympics? I didn't watch Sunday's round. I saw uh, Saturday on replay. I saw Friday a little bit on replay. Um, and then I woke up Sunday and read about what happened. And then at that point, you know, like everyone else, uh, I like to watch sports live or at least not know what's going on. Right. So, uh, but exciting. I think good for, um, you know, the Olympics is, is very new in golf. Uh, it's only the second time now. And, you know, since a hundred years that we've had it, I think I have an exciting finish, uh, you know, to have Sabo come in and shoot 10 under on Sunday and, and yeah. chase the gold medal. You got, uh, you know, one of our own in the United States uh, having X win is, is awesome. And then having a seven way playoff for the bronze medal uh, with names like Rory Savage, uh, no, sorry, Rory McIlroy and uh, just, just incredible. And so right. to see uh, CT kind of come up on top was, was, was fun and, and very cool. But uh, I think it was an exciting event. Uh, my dad woke up that morning. I was talking on the phone and one of the first things he said was, please don't tell me what happened. I taped it and I want to watch it. And and I said, well, I'll leave you with one thing. It's, you know, I read about it. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be an enjoyable watch. It really was good. But let me ask you a question. It, how do we get more American involvement, more interest? Do you think a team element in the Olympics would, would create, and maybe it's a mixed gender event? Is there a way we add more to get more American interest? Well, help me out with where the lack of American interest was. Was that ratings? Was that where, where, was, yeah, the, I, I feel, where was the lack feel, of interest? I feel like it happening in the middle of the night, not being live. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. that was because of absolutely. where it is. I mean, I mean, ge geographically, it was put at a disadvantage here in the U.S. But I just feel like I feel like America's more into our everyday PGA Tour events than we see that than they're into the Olympic events. And I'm wondering how do we drive a little more interest and get people to be a little more uh, interested. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be time. I think seeing like Paul Casey, seeing Justin Rose. Uh, seeing Xander, you know, we have, we have some Americans that were really excited Bubba and, and Ricky and the guys that were really excited to go over there for the first time. It's going to take some time. We're conditioned to the masters, you know, the four majors, the players, the, the PGA tour every week, we're conditioned as, you know, I'll, I'll step out as fans of the game to the four major championships to the players championship. And, uh, you know, the Olympics was not something I ever grew up watching, uh, as far as golf is concerned, right? What I enjoyed about the Olympics was watching our amateurs compete, you know, getting that one shot, four years, right. it's now or never. You know, you see the tears and the emotion when things don't, don't go the way they want. You see the joy and the jubilation when they win gold. That was my idea of the Olympics. And, and so it's going to take a little time. I mean, I think we've got to give it uh, a couple decades before it grows. And I think the players that go experience that. And when you listen to them talk about the Olympics, the Olympic experience, I mean, even McElroy went over and was a little ho-hum about it, but then afterwards I've never worked so hard to try to finish third place, you know, to, to get a right. medal to, to represent your country. So I think we give it some time. Um, and I think it'll grow. I think it's, it's importance will grow and, uh, it's just relatively new. And, I don't know. You tell me like when, when I love, I love basketball and football and baseball, but 
you know, it's not that I'm not interested in how the US, USA does in basketball, but are we treating that Olympic gold medal higher than we are the NBA championship? You know, no, I'm not, I'm not so sure. So, no, you're right. Uh, but it's, but it's still great to go represent your country and, and, uh, golf's different. You know, it's not a team sport, it's an individual sport. I think, um, you know, I think the experiences that those players that were able to go over and represent their country, they're going to come back just like they did four years ago. And they're going to look at everyone on tour and say, man, you're missing out. That was a really cool experience. That's something you're going to want to have and it's going to grow. It's going to flourish. And I think that, you know, give it some time and that'll spread a little bit. And I think it'll spread to the fans as well. Yeah. So we only wait three years. We get another one because this was supposed to be the 2020 Olympics, but the pandemic has delayed it. So we get another one uh, in just three years, but Jim, You've been playing really, really well on the Champions Tour. You've done now, you've got three wins. You won your first two events. You won, now you're, uh, you've got your first major under your belt. What are the main differences that you're seeing from playing on the PGA Tour for so many years versus playing on the Champions Tour? Yeah, I think uh, there's a number of differences. I think first and foremost, we're playing three rounds events for the most part. Outside the major championships, outside our tour championship at the Charles Schwab, uh, we're playing three round events. So, a little less taxing. Uh, I'm riding a cart in, uh, you know, personally, I'm riding a cart in practice rounds and pro-ams because my amateurs are. It's a little less taxing on the body. Uh, but those three-round events are track meets. Uh, you know, the, the tour is a little bit more of a, a marathon. You've got four rounds. You can afford to have a little bit of a tough nine holes or, you know, you, you go out there and shoot even or one over for nine holes. You, you do that on the Champions Tour. You're, you're kind of behind the eight ball. It's a, it's a birdie fest. Uh, guys are winning scores every week or, you know, 12 to 16, 1700 par uh, for three rounds. So you feel like you shoot even one under two under, you know, you've just moved over and passing lane, there's cars flying by every week. So uh, it's a little bit of a birdie fest. It's a little bit of a shootout. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, and I'd say the golf courses, there's some, there's some things that even surprise me being in the know, being a tour player. Golf courses are longer than I expected, um, but obviously not nearly as long as a PGA Tour event. But we're playing close to 7,000 yards every week. A lot of golf courses in the sevens. Um, that feels great. Like, I got to know my wedge nine and eight iron uh, really well again, which I, I miss those guys a lot for the last few years. Uh, <laughs> me, and, me and my four iron have become way too close. I'm tired of, tired of talking <laughs> to them, to be honest with you. Um, so I got a lot more short irons in my hand. Uh, I'd say – Another surprise is the green speeds, honestly, on the Champions Tour are very similar. They're the same as they are on the PJ Tour. I, I was oh, wow. stunned by that. I expected slower green speeds. The difference you see is I think we see some pins that are a little farther off the edge of the greens. We don't see a lot of threes, fours, and fives. We see a lot of fives, sixes, and sevens. What that does is it allows you – I've got a shorter iron in my hand. It allows me to be a lot more aggressive, fire more pins give myself more birdie opportunities. And also if I happen to short side myself, if I happen to miss it on the right side, I've got a little bit more opportunity for recovery and getting the ball up and down. And, and that's kind of the big difference you see in scoring little shorter golf courses. I mean, guys like Darren Clark, Ernie Els, Retief Goose, and they are still bombing it. They're still hitting the ball uh, 300 yards and, uh, and capable of hitting it 300 yards in the air uh, at times. So they're, they're still bombing, bombing the ball, but, the big difference in the scoring is the length of the golf courses and, and green and the pin pin location sitting a little farther from the edges that allows us to get real aggressive and make a bunch of birdies. Yeah. There's a lot of talent on the champions tour. Like they think guys go over there and they're just kind of mailing it in. That's not the case. If you watch a champions tour event, those guys are scoring. Yeah. And I'll tell you like my first event was in Flint, Michigan last year, the ally and 
you know, I showed up and first after the first round, I looked and the drive, the driving range there is massive and it is covered with players from left to right. You know, and the, there's this idea that after the round, everyone goes in and gets a glass of wine and a beer and we all hang out, and, <laughs> you know, shoot the breeze. And, and I'm, I started laughing. I go, yeah, nobody practices out here. I mean, chipping greens full of guys or driving ranges full of guys, the putting greens full of guys. And I was like, okay, these, you know, they're working a little bit harder and everyone gives them credit for. And, and, uh, and it's, you see that because you're not going to go shoot 14 under par without work. Right. Exactly. Now, Jim, as you know, we're uh, kind of winding down the PGA tour season. We've got what, two weeks left in the regular, and then we'll start the uh, playoffs and then comes the uh, Ryder cup. And so I definitely want to talk to you about Ryder cup. You were the 2018 captain. Um, and as you know, the team atmosphere is super, super important as far as being a Ryder cup player. Cause you've, you've been on both sides. You've been on the playing side. You've been on the, on the captain side. How important is that team element in building a team before they go out and play? Yeah, I think it's important. Um, you, you know, I think the captain kind of sets the tone. Uh, you know, I look back to our last successful uh, Ryder Cup was at Hazeltine. Davis Love did a great job of kind of setting the tone early, giving guys an idea expectation-wise what they could expect when they arrived in Minnesota. Uh, and I think he got a, got a lot of guys buying in early, uh, which is really key. You want to get your best players, you know, your leaders. Uh, buying in early and uh, if you can do that a team atmosphere is very easy uh, and very easy to come by and I think it's a it's a huge huge benefit especially on Friday and Saturday when you're when you're in your four ball and your foursome matches now obviously this year Stricker has a really uh, he, he's got some some big decisions to make like every captain does much like you did as well but we've got the Brooks and the Bryson drama going on. And obviously they're probably both going to be on this Ryder cup team. They're both going to qualify. I don't think either one will have to be its cap captain's pick, but even if they did, you definitely, they're both amazing players. You'd want them on the team. Would you have any advice if, if asked for Steve Stricker on how to handle these two personalities that seem to really be at odds with each other? Well, I, I think we're all going to talk about that as, as captains. I mean, you got Davis love and Zach Johnson and Strick and I so far, um, it's going to come up. It's, come, it's come, every interview I've done, and every time the Ryder Cup's been mentioned, that's that's basically the first question. And just just as you asked, um, you know, it, it is a team game. It is 12, 12 players on one team, but you don't have to pair Brooks and Bryson together, right? They don't have to right. play would football. You? I mean, you, you wouldn't, right? You, no, you would never do think, that. I don't think it's a good idea right now. And I, uh, you know, do I think they can play together? I do. Um, do I think it's a good idea to put them together? Absolutely not. Um, you know, but I, I don't foresee that being an issue uh, in the locker room. Uh, I felt like both of those players for me were two of my easiest guys. Uh, I had no worries with Brooks in the locker room. I had no worries with Bryson in the locker room. Um, you know, Brooks was always that guy that you know, he'll look you in the eye and he'll say, hey, people get this idea that I'm going to be a trouble, that I'm going to be a problem. He goes, man, I love these team events. Uh, I was built for these. I love them. I can't tell you how excited I am to uh to be on this Ryder Cup team and represent my country and he goes man you just point the direction and I'll do whatever you need if that's three matches five matches I don't care I'm going to give you my 110 percent um Bryson the same way you know a guy that uh you know Bryson does things a little differently you know he's got a different right. set of golf clubs he attacks a golf course from a, a much more science uh orientation so you're always trying to you pair guys that you know you're looking at the equipment they use the golf ball they use the style of play you're trying to find folks. You're also looking at it um, at personalities and trying to match guys personality wise. Uh, well, so uh, 
uh, you know, we'll, we'll find guys that are, that are fit perfectly for, for all our players, for all 12 and, and put out our best, you know, four to six uh, matches, you know, well, before each, each session, but we'll, we'll get matchups so that we have our four best on the golf course at all times. And, and uh, I don't foresee it being a problem, but I actually love the chatter and I love to talk about it and I love the doubt. And uh, anytime, uh, you know, anytime you get, there's, there's a little doubt out there. Anytime there's, you point a finger and tell me I can't do it. Uh, you, you tell Brooks, you tell Bryson, they can't do it. Uh, they're going to try to prove you wrong because they're competitors. And so I love that. I love the fact that they're getting questioned. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I like all the extra talk around the game. I know some people don't, but I, I think it's great. You know, you mentioned something that I've wanted to ask people before is the different golf ball that they play. And so in a team event, let's say, you know, one guy plays one brand of golf ball and another guy plays another brand. Golf balls are different and especially at that level. Um, is, is, is that something that goes into like, Hey, th- these guys would be better together because they both play the same golf ball. Well, it's part of the equation. It's part of, like I said, there's, it's a big puzzle. Uh, like you can take in personalities, you can take in equipment, you can take in just how the games mesh and maybe how they mesh for each golf course, right? You got a, a short, tight golf course. You probably don't want two long, wild guys paired together in a, in a foursome match. So the foursomes where the golf ball comes into play, it's in the foursome matches, the alternate shot. Usually uh, I'll hit my partner's ball off the tee so that he has that ball in the fairway, hopefully the fairway to, to hit at the green. Right. Um, there's times where, you know, I, I always played kind of a high spin golf ball. I, I, you know, Tiger played a ball that spun a lot. Uh, Freddie Couples has always played a ball that was kind of a high launch, low spin. You know, that's a hard, you know, I think back to a president's cup where, where Tiger and Freddie got paired together and they're good friends. They get along great. Everything seems to match, but Freddie really struggled with Tiger's golf ball and it, it, he geared his driver for a high launch, low spin ball. And Tiger had a low launch, high spin ball. Uh, they flipped, they flipped partners that week and gave me Tiger for the rest of the week. And, and I had no problem adjusting because his ball and mine were very, very similar. And he had no problem with mine, but I've been out there with guys that played real low spin golf balls and they tried to partner me up with them. And I struggled from a driver perspective because I didn't create enough speed. I didn't create enough spin to keep that ball in the air. And so on the fly, I either had to make adjustments to my driver by adding loft or I had to look at the captain and say, man, I can't play this golf ball. It's, it's, it's putting us in a negative situation this week. Right. That is a big deal. So looking back on 2018, is there anything that you would have changed? Obviously hindsight's always 2020. <laughs> is there anything you would do different in your captaincy that, that if you had it to do over again? That's my favorite question. And I would have to be pardon, pardon my French. No, no, no go ahead. It but I would have to be the biggest giant asshole in the world to say, no, no, I wouldn't do anything different. I'd send it out there the same exact way uh, and just expect a different result. I'd have to be the biggest asshole on the planet to say something like that. So, and you're not. So. Uh, so of course I would do things differently. Of course I would look top to bottom. And I have, I mean, I've had to relive, um, you know, I, I not that there's ever going to be any closure, but we haven't had another rider come now for three years instead of two. Right. I, I spent the first 12 months. I, I felt like I woke up every morning and it was on my mind. What could I have done differently? How could I have done that better? What situations would I have changed? And, and, and I look at, look at everything from top to bottom. Um, and I look at the way um, the golf course was set up. I look at the way we attacked the golf course. Uh, I, I would have done things differently. Of course. Um, I would have set some different pairings uh, differently. I would have set lineups a little bit differently. Um, you know, 
at the end of the day, you're going to, if you lose, you're going to be second guessed. And I understand that. And I'm going to second guess myself and what I could do. So we're all going to learn from those lessons. You know, I'm going to, I have notes and, and, and things that I would have changed and done differently. I'll share those with Strick. I'll share those with Davis and Zach. We'll, we'll build together as a, as a team and as a program going forward. And we'll, uh, you know, you're going to learn. I think there's a lot we can learn from Hazeltine. There's a lot of things we did well um, and, and we had success. I think we probably learn even more from some of the failures and not playing well uh, and doing our jobs at, at uh, in, in Paris. And I, you know, I have, and always will I'll take the brunt of the responsibility for that. I was the captain. I'm the ones that sent them out there. And, and uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I could have and should have done a better job, but uh, you know, we'll learn from that. We'll move on and I'll help the next captain. And, and uh, hopefully we see some success this year. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Improve your golf swing today. Pro-level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer. Helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club, Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data, and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com, R A P S O D O.com, rapsodo.com. Well, I want you to know that when you, as you know, I, I met you, I think for the first time, I met you at TPC one day. I was uh, lucky enough to be playing golf with uh, somebody from our, our company, iHeartRadio. And then I was also playing with Luke Bryan and uh, Cole Swindell. We were playing, their show was that night. And as we were walking into the dining <laughs> as we were walking into the dining room, we all looked at each other. You were ahead of us. And everybody goes, do not bring up the Ryder Cup, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I want nobody to say anything. So nobody did, but I had wanted to, when, when, when I was making my questions for the interview, I'm like, it's safe now to at least ask him, hey, would you do something different? I'm not going to be the first person that's ever asked him that. So no, no, you're, you're definitely, uh, by that time, I'd already done 18 interviews and answered all <laughs> the questions. And uh, I was, I was, uh, I was well-versed on, uh, on that question at that point. So it wouldn't have been a big deal. And, um, nah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I got the opportunity again. It'll always be one of those, you know, I, I think the, the, the thorn in my, in my side for my career is that, you know, I competed on so many Ryder cup teams. We had two wins, you know, at Brookline and at, uh, uh, at Valhalla. And then I was part of a captaincy that, that wanted, uh, Hazeltine helping, uh, Davis love out. So, uh, but we went through a lot of different losses in that time. And so right. uh, as a player, as a captain, you know, that's one part I look back on my career and, and I wish, I wish there was a different result. Uh, there isn't, uh, but uh, I know that I gave it a hundred percent. I know that it's my favorite event. I love it. I probably put a little too much pressure on myself during that event. I probably didn't uh, play as well as I would have liked to. Um, and of course, as a captain, I would have changed a few things, but uh, you know, you live, you learn, you move on. It's, you know, it will be one of those things that, if I were to be honest, it's going to bother me forever, but uh, it, it's part of life. But you got a chance to build on it. Your, your, uh, your group of captains this year is amazing. Stricker, you, Zach Johnson, Davis Lovett. There's a lot of uh, golf brilliance in, the, in, in that room. There's a lot of golf experience, and I think that that's really going to help lead the talent pool that we have, which I always feel 
and maybe I'm a little biased because I am an American, I always feel like our talent pool is a little better than what we're going up against. Sometimes things don't always go our way. But with this captaincy and the talent pool that we'll have, I think we've got a very, very good chance this year. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I think that, you know, every home captain, well, every captain's got, you know, quite a, quite a few worries. But, you know, a home captain, one, gets to think about the golf course. How do we want the golf course set up? You know, and of course, we're going to try to set it up to favor our team, just like they did right. in Paris. They set up a very short, tight, heavy, rough, uh, slow greens. You know, they set the golf course up as they like to see it, as they usually see it. Um, and then you're looking at captain's picks, and Strick's got a lot of pressure this year. He's, he's got six captain's picks, where we, we've we had four in the past. And 20 years ago, it was two. Uh, so Strick's got four cap or six captain's picks. And then you've got pairings. How do I put the guys out? How do I mesh them? Where do I put them out? in what formats uh, and with what players. And so, uh, you know, those are the three things that he really has to worry about. But first and foremost, it's going to be uh, golf course setup and then captain's fix, then pairings uh, in that order. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think the one thing the Europeans have done very, very well is that they've played, they're going to always have more experience on their home course than we have on ours. And the reason why is they usually play that event on a golf course where they've had a European tour event. So you'll look at Le Golf National, great golf course, love it. It'd be perfect for my game, short and tight. Um, they had 288 tournament rounds for their team around that golf course. We had eight. Uh, we had eight. So no experience. When you go to a golf course like Whistling Straits, it's a major championship venue. And you got to think a lot of the European tour pros are already, even if we pick, say, the Phoenix Open and we pick TPC and, and Scottsdale as the event, they would have a lot of players that have just as much experience around that course because they're members of our tour as well. So we have to realize going into it that, you know, going to Europe, we're definitely in a disadvantage on the road and they have more experience around the golf course. How do we combat that? How do we fix that? How do we, you know, do we get our guys over there early to play practice rounds? Do we, you know, we, we try to get them some experience around the golf course. I think Italy two years from now provides us a great opportunity because they have yet to play um, they ran into some issues as far as zoning, permitting, whatever it may be. The golf course was late to build. They've already should have played some Italian opens there, have not. And so they're going to go into that tournament with the least amount of experience they've ever had on their home turf. Um, of course, they'll set the golf course up to favor their team if they can, but uh, still not as much experience. And I think that's a feather in our cap. And that gives us uh, an opportunity to go to Italy and maybe turn the tide. And in order for us to turn the tide in the Ryder Cup, we're going to have to have success on European. So that's something we haven't done in over 25 years. Yeah. You know, you bring up the pairings and, and the, the two guys that fit together. I feel like, and, and you've probably seen it happen. The tour has turned into more of a distance game than an accuracy game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a very safe assumption. I think that uh, when you look at shots, gain driving distance is far more important than accuracy. But like, for example, in 2020, you led the tour in fairways hit and you led the tour in greens and regulation, but yet did not make the FedEx Cup playoffs. So at, at what point does... Probably means I didn't play very well, just say that. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> at what point does trying to gain distance hurt you when you are losing accuracy, if you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, I think it's going to be golf course dependent. I think... Uh... You know, it's going to be on the golf course setup. I think there's been a a definite in the last uh, 
11 years since we changed since the the groove rule changed there's definitely been a push on the pga tour for lower rough a little wider fairways uh pins cut closer to the edge um i'm not sure exactly why uh i think now uh you know eight years ago i heard i heard a lot more complaints that the rough's too high uh the fairways are too narrow uh the game's too limiting I think now if you polled a hundred players, you'd hear a lot more gripes that the rough's too low, fairways are too wide, you can hit it anywhere. It's kind of a right. bomber's paradise. You know, trying to find that happy medium uh is difficult. But I, I think you always have venues, you know, your your Hartfords, your colonials, uh your um harbor towns, uh Innisbrook. You have enough courses where accuracy is still a premium you have to get the ball in the fairway to compete um but it's it's farther and few between than when i started joining the tour so yeah it's it's been a little bit of a distance race and and where does it start to hurt you i, I think when um you know i guess rory you know mcelroy in my mind you know if not the most talented guy in the game of golf definitely a, a top three or definitely a top five you know i don't even think that's arguable uh, and he's talked recently about, you know, changing teachers and and maybe focusing so much on distance that it's now taken away from his game. And I think when you get uh when you start lacking control of the golf ball, you start stop um you know, there's always this blend and this idea. I grew up in an era where I wanted my driver and my iron swing to be very, very similar. Um right. so that and now it seems like guys have uh, possibly two swings. There's a swing for their driver. There's a swing for their irons. Um, you know, I, I guess when, I guess your scores at the end, ultimately, I don't know how to answer the question. You know, if, if you grow up, you know, if, if I was teaching a five-year-old to play right now, uh, I, honestly, I'd be teaching them to hit as far as they possibly could and the chip and putt. You know, if you can do those three things, we'll teach you the rest later. But um, <laughs> the idea of kind of like the knockdown six iron uh hitting a, a cut around a bunker like that shot just doesn't come into play that often that we really have to worry about it all that much so um right. but i guess scores ultimately you know scores tell you if if your uh scoring average is going down and then your chase for distance isn't hurting you but if if your scoring average is going up then that's the case i think guys have gotten so long now that they can hit it in the rough they still have a short iron into the green even if it's a 500 right. yard par four uh, I'm not that guy. So chasing distance for me isn't that good because if I hit my driver in the rough at 270, I still got 230 to the green on a 500. You know, there's there's right. no there's no iron in the world that I'm hitting 230 out of the rough onto a green. So uh, it's still important for me to hit fairways. But if you can fly it far enough, it's not really that important. Now moving forward, will we see you obviously see you more on the Champions Tour than we do on the on, on the PGA yeah. Tour? Yeah, I played a lot on the PJ Tour early this year until they won. And then when the Champions Tour schedule kind of hit its stride, I switched over. Uh, I enjoy Champions Tour. I love playing out there. Uh, love competing with some old friends. Like getting in contention a little bit more often and having some more opportunities to win. But uh, I really hey, enjoy it. Hey, that second I, place at the Players just a couple of years ago. I mean, you yeah, were right there in the thick yeah. of it. I've had I've had my chances, but not not nearly as many. And and uh, I've really enjoyed I've enjoyed my time on the Champions Tour. I feel like it's a it's a good time for me to to predominantly play that tour and maybe cherry pick a few PGA tour events here and there to, uh, to play. So, um, you know, I still, I still like compete and I still enjoy the game, but, uh, 
you know, it's probably, it's probably time to turn the page and for me to play the champion store and, and for that tour to be really, really successful. Uh, it's great that I look out there and I see, you know, you know, so many, so many great names in the world of golf, uh, have kind of turned the page. And now all the guys I kind of grew up playing with, we're on the champions tour together. And, you know, uh, it, it's fun to see like an Ernie L's, you know, really commit to the champions tour because that name carries a lot of weight and it, it, uh, you know, carries a lot of viewership and, uh, it, it gives, it gives our tour, uh, a lot of credibility. Yeah, and I definitely want to talk uh, in just a second about your event coming up, which has an amazing field as well. I mean, you're really bringing in some big names into your event here in Jacksonville. But I, I saw I saw a piece the other day put out. I don't know if it was by the PGA Tour or who it was by about your your caddy fluff. And these are some unbelievable numbers: one thousand one hundred in ten tournaments, thirty nine hundred rounds, twenty thousand miles walked and 7.6 times across the United States fluff has toted that bag. That is absolutely unbelievable. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, and Mike loves, he loves what he does. He loves caddying for a living. He loves showing up for work every day. I think that attitude, uh, you know, reflects in his work. It reflects, reflects on me. It's always nice to have someone that's uh, excited about what he does. And, um, you know, he, uh, he enjoys it. He's a heck of a caddy and, and uh, he's been a good friend for a lot of years. He's been on my bag since April of 99. So uh, it's been over 22 years. So how many, dis I mean, obviously the trust factor there has to be off the charts, absolutely through the roof and what you trust. How many times would you credit uh, Fluff with pulling you off of a shot or making a change or doing this or doing that and, 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 and it being a successful difference? Uh, we, we talk about it. So, you know, Fluff might have a bad read. He might see right edge and I see, a, you know, a ball or two out. And, you know, he might have a bad read, but I still want his opinion, right? And I still want – and I, it might be opposite. You know, I might have had the bad read and he has the correct. Ultimately, I, I look at it as this way. Like, you should never blame your caddy on a bad shot. I'm the CEO. I'm the guy that um, – I have to pull the trigger. I have to make the ultimate decision. And so at the end of the day, I kind of have to blame myself. You know, it's on me uh, if things don't go wrong, but he's there to provide a lot of assistance. And if he has a different opinion, he has to speak up and then we have to kind of talk about it and he has to back up why his opinion is different. And we'll talk through it. Sometimes, you know, he'll say, I, I wasn't thinking that way, or maybe I'm just, you know, I have a certain day where hitting the ball hard isn't, isn't really in the cards. I don't feel comfortable and I want to hit some knockdowns. Um, but we, we talk about it. I get his opinion and yes, I value it very much because he's been there for 22 years. He he's seen me play and probably, uh, you know, probably knows my game right now better than he knows his own. So, um, uh, so it's, it's, it's a fun working experience. So coming up in less than two months, we've got the brand new event, the, uh, constellation Furick and friends event on the champions tour. And I mean, this, this field is unbelievable. October 4th through October 10th at Tim O'Connor country club here in Jacksonville. Uh, you're doing a Darius Rucker concert as well. Lots of money yeah. benefiting charity, but we're going to see you. We'll see Ernie else. Uh, no Phil's on the list. John Daly, VJ Singh. Um, so many great players that you're able to bring in and really have a huge event. That's starting off brand new, a baby event in its infancy stage, but yet will grow to be something very, very large on the Champions Tour. The nice thing about 
our tour is we don't really spread ourselves too thin. You know, the, the PJ tour may have 48 different weeks. Uh, and you look at it that, you know, Dustin Johnson might play in 23 tournaments a year. We only have about 28 events on the champion store. So most of our guys play each and every week. They may take a week off here and there, but you kind of see the same field at each and every stop. And that's really strong for our title sponsors, strong for our, our fans for television that you have, uh, you know, the best players over 50 playing together each and every week. And so, um, you know, when, when folks ask me who's coming to your event, I was like, well, everyone's coming to the event. It's, it's, uh, you know, you see most of the best players, you know, we're over 50, you see some injuries, you know, Freddie couples doesn't play every event. He plays about 12 a year. We have Freddie coming strict. Wow. Uh, doesn't play that many as much anymore, but uh, I'm going to twist some arms. I mean, on strict as much as possible. Um, Phil's always up in the air, you know, I guess the, uh, the commercial, you know, what will Phil do next? We never know. So, uh, he's only ever played in three champions tour events, um, uh, total in his career. So, uh, I'm not sure he's quite ready to turn the page and, and that PJ championship probably didn't do us any favors on the champions tour. It did favors that he'll stay off the champions tour more, but we would love to see him out there. And, uh, you know, he, he would help our ratings a ton. And, and, uh, but the great news about it is, is we have great fields every week and, and these guys realize that they have a second lease on life, right? They have a, a second opportunity. They're great door sponsors. They're great in pro-ams. And once you're 50 years old, you kind of realize what makes, what makes each and every tournament work. And you got to grease the wheels a little bit and you got to be nice to those that made, made those events possible. And, and the guys do a good job of that. So uh, we're excited about the event. Tim Aquana is an unbelievable venue, a great golf course. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of a hidden gem in Jacksonville, but it's not going to be hidden for too much longer. And we've got a great title sponsor in uh in Constellation Energy. Um Circle Gaze a presenting sponsor. We're we're really blessed. We have uh we have the ability to put out a, a wonderful product. I think the fans are gonna love it. Uh lots of food, drink, fun. We're gonna create an atmosphere out there that's gonna be second to none on the champion store. And and so uh I hope everyone comes out and enjoys it. And with that, we're gonna raise a lot of money for our community and and it's gonna give us an opportunity to do that. So Special thanks to Darius Rucker. It'll be his third time at our event. Uh, wow. He's really de supported us uh, through thick and thin, and we appreciate it. And uh, Scotty McCreary is going to uh, kick off the concert for him. Scotty's a wow. wonderful guy, and he's been to our event now. I think this will be his third time. So uh, we're excited. We have a uh, – it's a full week. I feel bad for Tabitha. She, uh, Tabitha and our team, Adam Renfro's our tournament director. Uh, we have a pro-am on Monday, a concert on Tuesday, pro-ams on Wednesday, Thursday, three tournament rounds, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's wow. a busy week. It's a busy week. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Now you as a tournament host, Jim, how much uh, effect will you have on the setup of the golf course without Zimaquana having held a champions event in the, you know, yeah, not a lot, not a lot. What we're blessed is it's a great golf course. Uh, the superintendent there, Alan Brown is a superstar. He'll have a golf course in perfect shape. And then the PJ tour does a lot of that. Our setup staff, they'll have a staff. They're already talking to Alan. Uh, looking at how they want the golf course to play and feel. Uh, I'm sure our staff will go in and be a little conservative, I'm guessing, uh, in year one. I, I think you'll see some decent scoring, kind of see what we have in the golf course. Right. And then you can kind of, you know, turn the screws down, make some adjustments for uh, for year two and after. But uh, uh, it, it's a wonderful golf course, and I don't have much to do with setup. If, if, uh, if our rules officials, if our team at the PGA Tour has any questions, I'm there to answer it. I know the golf course better than anyone right now being a member there, but, uh, but really they haven't reached out too much. I think they, they understand the golf course they've got. And, uh, and honestly, Alan is, Alan is one of the best in the business. So we're blessed to have him.
It's going to be a fun event, too, because the way the golf course is laid out, the hospitality options there at 16, 17, and 18 will be un unmatched. So it really will be a fun event. It's a, an event for the whole family. Uh, like Jim said, you can go to the uh, Darius Rucker and Scotty McCurry concert. That's on Tuesday night. And then uh, anything you want, tickets, information, everything is available right now at constellationfuricandfriends.com. You can go there, get your tickets, and get everything you need to know. But it is going to be a fun event and something else good in Jacksonville. We've always just had the players and, and not really had another tournament that's been a stalemate here in Jack. So it'll be good to have something else that we can lean on at a different time of year. It's in October. Weather should be perfect. It really is going to be a great event. Yeah, we 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 couldn't be more excited. And I think you, you touched on a lot of great points. Weather in October should be phenomenal. I yep. guess we'll hope for no no hurricanes. We'll hope for that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's in a different part of town. It's in Jacksonville. We haven't had a PGA Tour event in Jacksonville for, I don't know, 50, 60 years. Right. Uh, and so to to kind of move to a different part of town to showcase our, our city, our city is a lot prettier and a lot more beautiful than people give it credit for with, with the city skyline, the beautiful St. John's River. We're going to use a little bit of that river waterway. You can take some water taxis at a golf course oh, if nice. you'd like. Um, there's some exciting stuff. And we're partnering a little bit with NAS Jacks right next to us. Uh, they're helping us out quite a bit, and we have a little bit of military outreach in, in our uh, in our fundraising as well. And so uh, we're excited. We've got a lot of great partners. And uh, and as you said, the cool thing about this golf course, we're going to have a couple different areas. Circle K's got kind of a, a party porch set up out there behind. We're flipping the nines. So I've got uh, kind of trying to get everyone to think about um, number nine is our number 18 for the tournament. Oh, okay. Uh, number one is our number 10, but uh circle k is going to be behind uh what's now two it'll be our 11th hole and to the left of the seventh which is uh usually 16 uh our huge uh so as you mentioned that 16 17 18 is going to have a lot of cabanas uh wow kind of a sports bar mentality set up there it's it's football season it's jacksonville you know sec jaguars uh so we're gonna have some big screen tvs you can watch football games maybe have a cocktail or or two or three uh, and enjoy your time. And, and Tim Aquana set up where there's little routings and spokes. So you, you never, you know, you can go to three, four holes of watching golf and come right back to your central locating, you know, party areas and have a good time. We know everyone's out there, you know, everyone's out there to enjoy themselves and have a good time. Sometimes the golf is secondary and that it's, it's the vehicle that brings everyone out, but uh, we want right. everyone to enjoy themselves. It is fun. So make sure you get your tickets. Once again, it's fun for the whole family, bring everybody. It's a week of good times. It is constellationfurickandfriends.com for your tickets. Once again, October 4th through the 10th. It's a whole week of festivities. It'll be here before you know it. So go ahead and get your tickets. But Jim, thank you so much. I know the charitable impact here on Northeast Florida is huge. I know that's extremely important to you. And I know that myself and everybody else, thank you for all you do for the city that you've called home for many, many years. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and especially about talking about the event. We're, uh, we're excited. Absolutely. So we've got the FedEx St. Jude and the Barracuda this week. Uh, next week, the final uh, tournament of the PGA Tour regular season. We'll have Wyndham Clark on next week as he's playing in the Wyndham, uh, trying to up his chances of being a little bit higher up in the FedEx Cup points as we hit the playoffs. And then, of course, before you know it, the season will be over. We'll have the Ryder Cup. So many other good events. It's like golf never stops, man, which is that's why much. I, I love our sport. It just keeps going and going and going. We don't really have that long of a down season. I agree. I agree. It's 48, 48 weeks on the PGA Tour. That's a, that's a lot of golf. It is a lot of 48 golf. Of, 48 events, maybe 43 weeks, but it's a lot right. of golf. It is. It's unbelievable. But thank you so much. Appreciate your time. And once again, 
Get your tickets. We'll see you here in Jacksonville at constellationfurickandfriends.com. Jim, thanks so much. Appreciate you being on the Stripe Show podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show.